Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Each week, we hear real-time stories from athletes and CEOs on how to maximize performance through an endurance mindset. Let's get started. Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Today's guest is a very special guest, close friend of mine. He is someone who's achieved greatness in the world of sports. His story is truly remarkable with unique challenges and outcomes. And as a world champion, he has proven that nothing can hold him back. He is the co-founder of Cure Ride, an inspirational speaker and performance coach. Please welcome Jeremy Ponset. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Did I get anywhere close on your last name? Uh, you got French. You got close. It's uh, points and no with the silent French tea, like like Merlot wine. That's kind of the, the way I help folks. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm British, so all this stuff doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Anyway, Jeremy, it's great to have you on the show. We focus on the endurance mindset, um, and my leading question is, Jeremy, tell me about how an endurance mindset has impacted your life unexpectedly. Um, so for me, as you mentioned in the intro, like I'm a golfer, um, and I went legally blind, uh, in a matter of two months when I was a 19 year old sophomore in college. So I went from perfect 2020 vision where I was driving and everything was normal to all of a sudden, two months later, I'm legally blind and I have no central vision. Um, and so for me, the endurance mindset is as a golfer, you really got to focus on one shot at a time as cliche as that sounds, but it was like that when it comes to dealing with a rapid onset of blindness, uh, 19 years old, unexpectedly, I had to really focus on one day at a time, one experience at a time, uh, and, and try to work my way through that. And we can dive deeper into those topics, but it's, it's, there's a lot of similarity to one shot at a time, one hole at a time to all of a sudden legally blind one, one experience at a time and one day at a time. Powerful, really, really powerful. Um, so yeah, let's dive in a little bit deeper. Um, you know, I and I'll frame my question. I, I just walk us through when you developed that mindset that, that it, when your situation happens and well, just walk us through it. Like when did, when did you come to that realization that, Hey, just one day at a time, one shot at a time, one moment at a time. Yeah, so I lost my sight due to this rare genetic disorder called LHON, Labor's Hereditary Optic Neuropathy. At first, I thought I would see again, and so I was hopeful for a treatment or a cure, but there unfortunately isn't any at the time, at this time. And so I'm legally blind. I'm told that there's no treatment or no cure, and it's going to be like this the rest of my life. So I had to go through the stages of grief. I went through denial, anger, bargaining, depression. And then the fifth is acceptance, but that seems so far away and almost unattainable when you first go through a challenge like this. Um, but when I was going through those stages of grief, I was very depressed, down, uh, thought, woe is me for a long time. But then, I don't know, the mindset shift started to come when it was like, you know what, like, I have to accept this. There's nothing I'm going to do to change it. I'm not going to be able to change my sight. I'm not going to be able to change this limitation but I can change my mindset towards it. I can kind of go from, you know what? Yeah, I'm legally blind with no central vision, but I also have complete peripheral vision and uh, I'm still relatively healthy. Uh, I, I'm still like, I, I'm able to have quality conversations with people. So I started to focus on the good more and started to go, okay, I'm gonna try to have one good day this week. 
rather than just every day is, is, is not good. I wanted to focus on having one good day and then the next week try to have two good days and then maybe it would just be one the next week. But I tried to build on that and, and focus on the good rather than dwell so much on the negative. It, it took a while, but, but we got there. So when you say one good day, what would a good day be during that time period? So for me, when I lost my sight, I felt like I just became completely dependent on others. And so I was fearful that I was going to be dependent on others the rest of my life. So one good day for me at that time was doing things independently that stretched my boundaries in ways that I didn't think I could do something. So I was a sophomore in college at San Diego State. I was living in an apartment with three other guys. And I called up my favorite deli that was two or three blocks away. I ordered lunch and I walked there on my own, paid for it on my own and walked back. And that was something that when I was fully sighted, I did without thinking post sight loss. It petrified me to cross some main roads, to interact with someone who didn't know that I was legally blind, uh, to hand over my credit card, to sign a receipt and make it seem like I was signing on the dotted line where I had literally, I had no idea if I was signing in the right spot, picking up my order and walking, walking back. Something that uh, seems very routine when you're fully sighted uh, was extremely daunting and petrifying uh, when I was suddenly legally blind. So walk us through when that got becomes easier. So how many times, how many repetitions are there still moments now that you're dealing with that, that you have that, fearfulness that that worry yeah i definitely i so it's been 14 years now since i lost my sight and it's a lot more this is my new normal i'm perfectly comfortable with it now i am i'm jeremy i'm legally blind and i'm a happy individual um i couldn't say that uh 14 years ago um I, the more you do things and stretch your boundaries the more comfortable you are uh the more comfortable you feel so i ended up going to that deli uh, every day for maybe five straight days, because when I did it once and I was so nervous and scared, the next time I was more comfortable and the next time I was even more comfortable. And then I was like, Hey guys, I'm ordering for the apartment. What do you guys want? Um, so I built up that confidence. I still feel that way sometimes to this day, uh, definitely not as often, but yeah, when I'm traveling, uh, as a speaker, I'll travel by myself a uh, majority of the time. And, uh, I'll have somebody at the airport, it's really nice, help me get from uh, the check-in counter to my gate. But sometimes uh, if, if I, I'm a little impatient, uh, I'll just go on my own and just say, you know what, um, I'm at DFW airport, I'm just gonna find my way. Uh, and, and that's those times I get nervous, but I'm a little more excited for the challenge and the experience and go, okay, let's, let's see how this goes. Um, whereas 14 years ago, I would have been a lot more nervous and scared and probably wouldn't have gone on my own like that. Uh, so, so I'll just kind of do it on my own and test it and see how it goes. And, uh, it turns out to lead to some pretty funny stories and experiences. Do you have one that you'd like to share? Oh, sure. Yeah. So actually at, at DFW, I was being, you know, I was connecting flights and I had to get from wherever to let's say D35. And then I had to go up to the whatever you call it, the tram. And, and then they said, you know, get off here for where D35 was. So I, I found my way that way. And 
And then I could see these were the D gates and I saw D30 something above me. I can like with the limited sight I have, I could make that out, but I couldn't fully see the number. So I went to the gate agent there and I don't mind asking questions. So I say, hey, excuse me, I'm legally blind. I'm looking for gate D35. Do you know where that is? Can you tell me where it is? And the guy was took a long pause and I'm like, did I confuse him? And he said, do you want me to tell you in like how many steps? And I'm like, ah. Uh, no, no, you can just literally direct me. Like, is it this way or that way? And and just, is it two gates that way? And he's like, oh yeah, it's just two gates that way. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, and, and that way he was pointing, but I had to point with him because you tell a legally blind person this way or that way, that, that doesn't help us either. But uh, it was pretty funny for him to say, you want me to tell you in how many steps? And I'm like, I should have said yes, because I would have really liked to hear his response to that. It's a good story. Um, share with us, how your roommates responded to you going through this? My roommates were incredible. A lot of them were fraternity brothers. And it's something that I don't, I, I really wanted to drop out of college post sight loss. It would have been the easy thing to do. Um, I didn't want to go back to school and suddenly have to explain to everybody what happened, deal with all the awkward situations I know were going to come up. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't like saying the word blind, legally blind. Like I, in my family for the first year of sight loss, I, we said the B word, like we didn't say blind because I was so uncomfortable with it. So I didn't want to have to tell people at school, but my, my roommates stepped up big time. Um, one of my best friends, Josh, he helped me walk to and from class. He actually took, um, I came back to school and took two easy classes and he took those same two classes in his five class schedule. So he helped me walk to him from class and helped me study for the exams and do those types of things. And, um, yeah, they, they helped me out tremendously. Um, they made a, a challenging time, a little less challenging. They made me feel comfortable. They made me feel welcome during a time I felt very uncomfortable in my own skin and, and just uncomfortable in general with everything going on, but they, they made me feel welcomed and and good and um I, I feel like i can never repay them for it but all i can do is share that story so that others can hopefully do that to to their friends and family members around them who go through difficult times that's a, a great set of friends for sure um jeremy i'm curious going through that experience and then taking on public speaking for example mm -hmm. right you're an inspirational speaker i've seen you you're amazing um, and we can get into that a little bit later, but walk us through or talk to us about how you used, you know, conquering that challenge to then taking on a bigger challenge. Like walk us through sort of some of the lessons learned and then how you applied that in taking on another challenge and then how you apply that going forward. The challenge of, uh, speaking. Well, no, the, cha the, the fact that you, know, you went through this experience where you became legally blind. Mm -hmm. And you've now progressed through that to become who you are today. That experience has given you, I would imagine, a lot of courage and yes. determination and figuring out how to solve problems and move forward. Public speaking isn't natural for many people. It's certainly not natural for me. So I would like even my palms are sweating just talking about it. Hmm. Um, did you use principles and, and learnings from your challenge that you went through of becoming legally blind with other aspects of your life? When you become legally blind suddenly in a matter of months at 19 years old, uh, public speaking, competitive golf, 
things of that nature become a lot less daunting. Uh, you go, I, I've dealt with a lot harder things than this, a lot more m- meaningful things than this, I guess I would say. It's like this going legally blind and, and that's, that type of challenge is, is very real. Uh, public speaking, it, it's, it's important, but it's not to that magnitude. It's, it's same with golf. Like who cares? It's a, it's a little chip shot. It's a, it's a putt. It's a, it's a drop. Who cares in reality? Um, but yeah, I, I think public speaking, uh, became a lot easier when I wasn't able to see anyone's faces in the audience. <laughs> that's a, that's a fact. It's, it's a lot easier when you can't see people looking at you. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I kind of went through that experience of becoming legally blind. And then after that, it was just like, okay, well, like what, what's the worst thing that can happen? I'm going to speak and people might judge me, might, whatever. I don't care. Like I, and I, so I, I kind of didn't really have much fear with it, uh, in the beginning and just started speaking to a lot of philanthropic organizations around San Diego and then did a TEDx talk and then was on MTV's True Life in an episode called True Life, I'm Losing My Sight. And people started to reach out and ask how much I charge to give a talk. And that's when I was like, oh, okay, uh, I guess there's an industry here and uh, this is something I could uh, make my profession. And boy, am I lucky. Like, so this is a profession that being legally blind works extremely well. Um, I, I get to interact with people, speak, share my story, make it relevant to the audience and give them key lessons and takeaways that hopefully will impact their lives. And that's uh, pretty powerful, meaningful, and, and a lot of fun, really. Mm, awesome. So on the other side of the coin, let's talk about golf. Um, talk to us about the, the golf world that opened up to you, the blind golf world. You know, what's that made up of? You know, many of our audience members probably don't know that there is a comp- competition out there. Talk to us about that a little bit, please. Yeah. So I was a golfer my whole life. Um, I played three years varsity in high school. I played every Sunday from when I was 12 till I was 17 with my dad. It was our bonding time, our ritual. It's how we became so close. So my dad and I were really good buddies when we were playing every week when I was growing up. And then when I lost my sight, I was pretty devastated to think I could never play the game I loved ever again. But my mom found the USBGA, the United States Blind Golf Association, and said that these golfers play in tournaments all over the world. I thought she was kidding at first, uh, but there is such thing and there are tournaments all over the world. You can't go drop me off at the local golf course and say, go have fun, Jerry. I'd be lost. I uh, can't, can't really do that. But every blind golfer has a guide, someone who helps them on every single shot. For me, that was an easy choice. Uh, my dad. My dad is my guide in every competitive round of blind golf we play in. And we compete as a team. Um, we play my ball together as a team. And I, he lines me up. I hit the shot. We do that the whole way around the whole way around the course. And, um, it's something where I was a good golfer, uh, when I was fully sighted in high school, but I was a three handicap and in Southern California in high school, you're a three handicap. You're, you're, you're really good, but you're not great. And you're not you're not to that level of someone who could go to a D1 college. So I was like, Hey, this is fun, but I want the D1 college experience. Went to San Diego state, got that. But then when I became legally blind and found out about blind golf, all of a sudden it's like, okay, like you can go out and shoot. You can win tournaments shooting 85, low eighties, um, stuff like that. And, and so my dad and I as a team have, have done pretty well together and 
I love sharing the experience with him. Like to me, that's cooler than any pro golfer out there who, yeah, they share the experience with their caddy, but uh, I get a trophy as the player and my dad gets a trophy as the guide. And we, as a team, we, we've won tournaments together and it's so, so cool to share the experience with him. So what's your favorite, I'm asking lots of story questions. What's your favorite golf story with your dad? So I'll say competitive um, was our first World Blind Golf Championship. Yeah, there's there's a, such thing as a World Blind Golf Championship. There's That takes place every other year. And we played in our first one in 2010 in England. Uh, I was 20 years old. Um, it was only our third blind golf tournament ever. And we just wanted to have fun, enjoy our experience. And after the two-day tournament, we found out that we had tied for the win and we were going to a playoff. And in the playoff, we ended up having a short chip shot to the hole. And my dad stands in between me and the hole. I line up to him. He moves out of the way. I hit the shot and uh, it came off the club perfect. I was like, okay, that'll be within five feet probably. I heard it hit something. It made a noise. I turned to my right. My dad was there. He yelled, it went in. And everything after that was a blur. Well, pun intended. Uh, right. And it was, it was so, so cool. And that, that video is actually on YouTube, which is really cool. And that's by far the coolest moment in competitive blind golf with my dad. Um, and then being a blind golfer, I've had some really cool experiences and opportunities that have come up that I would, that wouldn't have come up, uh, had I not lost my sight. And so my dad and I had the opportunity and the privilege to play Cypress point. And we played with the head pro and a 95 year old member and to play that golf course with my dad walking alongside me and him playing his ball, me playing my ball. And we both had caddies helping us like that. That's a surreal experience that I kind of, I pinch myself and think, you know what? Like when I lost my sight, I thought it was the worst thing that had ever happened to me, but I've had so many cool experiences and opportunities that have like an op doors open for me post sight loss that I would have never expected. So the mindset shift of woe is me and why me, when you shift that to why me with curiosity, like incredible things happen. And that's, that's definitely one of them. That's awesome. Um, can you talk about another door open that door is open that wouldn't have been there um if it wasn't for your your lo loss of sight oh man there's so many um uh, I'm, I'm i'm really lucky like yeah i've had the opportunity to play some incredible golf courses um i i i wear link soul apparel and i got to meet john ashworth post sight loss and he's he's uh helped me out there um I, I, yeah I, i've just got I've had really cool opportunities and experiences. I've, uh, as a speaker now, I've been flown out to Africa to give a talk and play golf and, and do things like that. Uh, went to France to go give, uh, be a part of a panel discussion. Um, there's so many different things and it's, it's stuff that I'm, I'm extremely lucky and grateful for and something that when I first lost my sight, I, I lived every single day to one day see again. And now 14 years later, I, I could care less. And I'm, I'm actually happier today, legally blind than I was at 19 years old and fully sighted. And I think it's just this realization that I'm, I'm, I'm more grateful for the things I have now than I did before. Um, I don't feel entitled to anything. And I think I appreciate the little things more than I did before. That's powerful. Um, what a sense of gratitude. That that was going to lead me into my next question of, if you could have your sight back, would you 
want that, accept that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I tell you what, I wouldn't jump at the opportunity. Um, I would have to think long and hard about it. Uh, I, I want there to be a cure for LHON. Like first and foremost, I want there to be a cure. I want there to be a treatment. I don't want anybody else to have to suffer and go through what I went through. Uh, it's not a fun experience. Nothing about it is enjoyable, but I feel like I've run the marathon. I've crossed the finish line. I've gotten the t-shirt and I'm like, okay, I'm good. Like I've, I've got this now. Like I, I've, I feel this is my new normal. I've accepted it and I'm moving forward. I'm not dwelling on it. Um, so I want there to be a cure. So other people, if they start to lose sight, boom, like they don't have to deal with what I went through. But if, if you were to say, Jeremy, I've got this, like take this pill and your sight's coming back tomorrow. Um, I wouldn't jump at the opportunity. The only things that like make me, the things that I miss or really want my sight for is the ability to drive like that. The independence of driving is so, um, so important, especially like I live in suburbia in San Diego, like there's not a lot of walk ability where I live. Um, and then I have two boys now. I have a two and a half year old and an 11 week old. And I'd like to be able to see them while they're pursuing whatever they want to do, sports and, and whatever they do. I want to be able to see them. Um, but there's assistive technology out there. I might buy some big goggles or glasses that allow me to zoom in and see things. So uh, those are the only things I really wish I could have my sight for. Uh, other than that, I'm really not jumping up and down for it. And I mean, selfishly, I'm an inspirational speaker and I feel like being legally blind really helps and enhances the story and, and helps things hit home more. And then uh, I, I love competitive blind golf. And if I regain my sight, uh, I would I would lose that. And and I, I cherish that so much and, and sharing that experience with my dad that I would I would hate for that to end. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, shifting gears slightly, take us back. Take us back to your childhood. Like, talk us about the, your life between you know born, your childhood, and obviously up until you were nineteen years old. Give us that sort of story. Give us a little bit of sense of who you were, who you are. Yeah, so I'm I'm the oldest of three. I've got a sister who's three years younger than me, and a brother who's six years younger than me. And, uh, I just kind of always, I was always been, you know, big brother, uh, protective of them, uh, try to be a role model to them. Uh, and my parents are incredible. They met working at TaylorMade. So I was always around the golf, uh, industry with them. Um, so I, yeah, I just, I was a pretty, pretty good kid. Um, but pretty privileged, um, and entitled and, you know, grew up in North County, San Diego and, um, was, was very lucky with my upbringing. And then to, you know, go to San Diego state, join a fraternity. Life was good. Everything was trending in the right direction. Everything was, I was really in the prime of my life. And then to go legally blind, all of a sudden I was like, Whoa, like this is the biggest challenge I've ever had to face in my life by far what the heck do I do? Um, and how do I find a way to not let this break me? Because it would have been really easy to, to be broken from something like that. Certainly. And, and it's taking you now into a couple of different directions, right? One, the co competitive golf two the inspirational speaking, and then three, which we haven't touched on is the performance coaching. Can you touch a little bit about the performance coaching you're doing? 
Yeah. So the keynote speaking is a one-to-many conversation. The performance coaching is a more one-on-one dialogue. And it's the ability to like have deep, meaningful conversations with people, meet them where they're at and, you know, talk about their goals, their aspirations. What are they dealing with? And help them through it. You know, I'm kind of an accountability partner. I'm someone who, you know, talks with them and they vent to me about things that they're dealing with at work, but they don't feel comfortable venting to people at their work about it, uh, things of that nature. So, you know, I've, when COVID first hit, uh, I started working a lot with uh, an organization association of nurses in California. So I was having a lot of conversations with nurses who were on the front lines of working with people during COVID and, and the stress that went along with that. And so I would have conversations with them and, and, and just kind of talk them through things and, and help them out as best I could. Um, talking with executives and, and what are they dealing with, with their businesses and what are the challenges they're facing and, and just meeting them where they're at and, and trying to help them get to where they want to go. Um, so like I said, keynote speaking is a one-to-many conversation. The performance coaching is more one-on-one dialogue and we kind of set up a three-month relationship and see if we want to continue on. And for those three months, we dive in and, and try, to, try to help you out as much as possible to achieve your goals. I can see that being extremely impactful. Um, ta- thinking about your keynotes, can you give us a sense of your theme? What the room's like? If there's an audience member who'd like to reach out to you and give us a sense of what what, um, but just give us a sense of what your that experience would be like. Yeah. So my key takeaway that I want audience members to get is I want to get people to see the power of interdependence in their lives, personally and professionally. I think we place too much emphasis on independence in our society and in the workplace. And independence is good, but interdependence is great. And so I try to get people to, I created a, 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 the C method. It's a pun. It's, we like things in three and try to make things as memorable as possible. But to be able to see the power of interdependence, you need to be able to seek help, which is the most difficult thing to do. We need to be able to embrace help. When others offer to help us, we quite often say, no, thanks, I've got it without really taking the time to think about it. And then finally, we need to be able to extend help. That's the easiest thing to do, but we don't do it often enough. You know, Reach out to the people around us, think about them. How are they doing? We, we think so much about ourselves, but if we can do those things, we can truly see the power of interdependence in our lives. I went legally blind. I was independent, became dependent regained my independence as a legally blind individual, but then through asking for help and getting help from the people around me, I was able to see the power of interdependence and it's, it's a beautiful, powerful thing. I think I'm lucky that I need help more often than most. And that's allowed me to have more meaning and purpose in my life, more deep connections. Um, and, and I hope that your listeners and the people who see and hear this, uh, are able to feel a little more comfortable asking for help because asking for help is not a weakness. It's a strength. That's so well said. Jeremy, how can an audience member get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I've got a very difficult last name, but Jeremy points to know you can find me on, on LinkedIn. You can follow me on Instagram. And my email address is pretty simple. It's my first name, Jeremy, at my full name, jeremypointsno.com. And uh, I've got a bi-weekly newsletter I send out called Points of Perspective. 
really short 800 words or less, just kind of thoughts and things that are hopefully thought provoking and get people thinking about things a little bit differently. So uh, any, any of those things can be done. Fantastic. And we'll include those links in our show notes. I'm also going to grab that YouTube video of your chip shot for the win. Cool. Um, Jeremy, it's been great having you on the show. Some of my takeaways, right? One shot at a time, focus on the good. Um, just hearing your story and your inspiration. I've seen your keynotes. It is a, a moving experience. So those in the audience who uh, are considering bringing in a keynote, I've also seen Jeremy play golf. It's incredible to watch and I wish I could break 80. Um, anyway, for those audience members who are getting some value out of this, we ask that you share it. Go down below and click subscribe. Please tell your friends and family. We want to spread this word. We want to spread Jeremy's story. We want to get that inspiration out to our community. Um, again, Jeremy, it's awesome to see you again. And I truly appreciated your time today. Likewise, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. Go, uh, go chase down those kids. Yeah, I'll get after it. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. To hear more inspiring stories and strategies around the endurance mindset, be sure to subscribe below or visit us at chiefenduranceofficer.com. Until next time, keep pushing those limits 